Hi everyone, I'm JJ Hornblast and welcome to the buzz from Bank Automation News where we chart the future of banking automation technology. This is our weekly wrap for what's happening in the industry uh, for April 9, 2021. For beginning, uh, thanks to Bank Automation News Advertisers MX, NARMI and NVIDIA uh, for their support, so thank you to them. And uh, pleased to be joined by Lorraine Lawson and Jaspreet Kalra of the Bank Automation News editorial team. Hello to both of you. Um, in First in general technology news, hackers have scraped data from 500 million LinkedIn users, about two thirds of the platform's user base and have posted that, that scraped data for sale online. Cryptocurrency mining company Riot Blockchain says it will buy Texas-based Bitcoin hosting facility Windstone for 80 million in cash and around 570 million in stock. And finally, OneTrust, which offers enterprise compliance tools, raised $210 million in a Series C extension led by SoftBank's Vision Fund 2, bringing its total uh, venture funding raised to 920 million. In banking automation industry news, uh, last week, the Office of the Controller of the Currency, the Federal Reserve Board, and three uh, regulatory bodies put out a call for public input on how artificial intelligence and machine learning are being used in the financial services sector and the risks they posed. Um, let's first start with a general background on this uh, uh, request for public input and then get into kind of the two sides, meaning the input from financial institutions and then input from uh, fintechs or, or technology vendors. So Jespreet, do you wanna maybe kick it off and give us a little background on this uh, request for information? Right. right, so the investor recommendation is sort of very wide-ended in the way that it looks at AI and ML technologies and how they're being used in the financial services sector. And a total of 17 questions were put together by these regulatory bodies that go into some things like, how does AI-driven credit underwriting intersect with fair lending laws? Or say, how is automated procedure, how do automated procedures and data analysis affect and intersect with data privacy laws that are being affected across the world? And we will see going on legislation in the United States as well. So, I mean, seeing it from a very broad angle, it would seem that the regulators are pretty curious about how financial institutions are implementing these technologies, while at the same time keeping a keen eye on how to protect consumer security, consumer data, and consumer privacy. And of course, ensure that all of the new techniques that come in are in compliance with existing regulations, be it fair lending laws, be it data privacy concerns, or even as something as simple as, you know, not just discriminating based on the basis of a flawed model or a, or a mistake that gets baked into the system itself. The, oftentimes these things take, take time uh, to develop. Is there, a sense of whether this was a Trump administration initiative that um, that ended up kind of getting released 
uh, now, um, or was this a you know Biden administration uh, request for information? I'd say both, because back in July 2020, when the whole payments charter conversation was going on, when crypto banks wanted wanted to establish themselves and figure out whether they can be chartered banks or not, then acting controller of the OCC, Brian Brooks, had put out a long information request as well, which was much more wide ranging, but also invited inputs on AI and ML techniques. So the conversation was kicked off there, but then in the middle we had the election, and plus the pandemic was going on as well. So I guess some things got lost in between and now the OCC has sort of come back to this table seeing how AI and ML continue their expansion of usage. So I think it's like a pass over sort of like a pass on pass on the baton sort of a thing here. So of these 17 questions, uh, which do uh, both of you, uh, it's just to both of you, which, which of those uh, one or two are kind of really the most sensitive or more, most crucial for the industry, is there? Yeah, do you have a, a feeling for that? Lorraine, do you want to take that? I think uh, a major question that they raised had to do with, uh, of course, algorithm development, which some algorithms have been found to either have bias integrated into them through the coder or possibly through how they learn. Uh, and another is the challenges or impediments created by third-party AI providers. Um, I think that is where there's probably the most confusion when it comes to what regulators expect. And hopefully they'll get some clarification for that. That is certainly one of the reasons why vendors say that uh, there's been slow adoption of some of these AI platforms. Uh, I mean, and that's because of the confusion or because it's clear that regulators are looking into the third party um, providers and and I, I guess, uh, and, and also the responsibilities between the first party financial institution and the third party provider. It's because there's confusion. They don't, they don't know what regulators are going to do about third party providers. And so banks are just a little gun shy of, uh, of you know, working with a third party provider who could give them the advanced technology functions um, when they don't know how regulators are going to react. Is that, Jaspreet, is that what the financial institutions argued in some of their comments? Oh, certainly, yes. I mean, uh, groups like the ABA, the US Bank Corporation, the PNC, all of this sort of refer to this uncertainty in a tangential way. Like some of their concerns were around something like this, say the GDPR, which requires an algorithm to be explainable, which basically means that using regular human language, you should be able to explain how an algorithm made its decision, which when data scientists design a product is not very a high, not a very high level concern. Right. So you're seeing all these questions being raised by regulators at the same time, the technology is moving so fast. So banks are really, like big banks, sure, they can invest in their own products, they can develop their own things, but especially, say, a mid-sized bank or a mid-sized financial institution would have a lot more questions about what if this goes wrong, do we have liabilities there? And they would have much less sort of cushion to be able to face that liability too, which is why you're seeing a slow update of these new technologies, I think. Which of the financial institutions was kind of most uh, pointed or vociferous about about these 
in in their response? I mean, which was was there one that kind of stood stood out as as being particularly um, uh, particularly virulent or or or, um, or or particularly you know um, uh, you know specific or po- pointed about what they were saying? Um, I think all of them had some sort of, you know, some sort of optimism in terms of what sort of efficiency these techniques can add to their processes and how it can evolve the process of banking itself. But the American Bankers Association was the most extensive in terms of how they looked at the ecosystem. I guess that's also because they receive a lot of inputs from institutions of different sizes. So mm-hmm. they were able to really sum up the sort of questions that uncertainty raises. And they were very acknowledging of the fact that efficiencies are a big upside to this new technology, but the unexplained parts are going to be the biggest obstacle in terms of getting adoption going. So I think the ABA really summed up the sort of position of the industry very well in its comment that it filed with the OCC. What was uh, uh, a surprising point that was made from the financial institution side? Um, was there something that sort of stood out as as creating uh, perhaps a roadblock, a technology roadblock, a regulatory roadblock, or or was there some sort of admission uh, that you hadn't expected? Um, most of the financial institutions that did file their inputs said that they urged the OCC to take a technology agnostic approach, which to me, it seemed like a lot of them were also saying that don't penalize people for doing things the old way. That just because some things are being carried on on paper in a community bank doesn't mean they're wrong. They just haven't caught up yet. So I think that was the most standing out point that everyone was making that please don't you know, discriminate against us on the basis of the technology we use. And banking is already facing a lot of competition from neobanks and big tech entering into it. So I think they're really conscious about the fact that we should all have the same level playing field and not create special categories. This is something that even Jamie Dimon referred to in his letter in his annual shareholder letter about how these new companies don't have the same sort of regulatory and compliance requirements that big banks often do, which creates uneven playing fields. So I think they're excited about the technology, but they also want a level playing field so they can protect their margins against new competitors. I mean, that is a, that's a difficult position to argue, right? I mean, you're, you're on one hand arguing for uh, technology uh, flexibility, but on the flip side, saying we still want a regulatory regime in place. Well, yeah, I mean, banking is one of the most heavily regulated sectors in across economies, like not even just the US for that matter. So I think a lot of what they're saying is they want to be able to protect their shareholders and they want to be able to use new technology, but it's just so new right now and so many questions are around that they don't want to look before, they don't want to leave before they look. So Lorraine, that's the, the financial services side, but what about on the vendor side? What kind of stood out? Uh, what's kind of the argument that they're making uh, uh, vis-a-vis, uh, you know, AI, ML usage uh, or regulation um, uh, for financial services? Well, the one thing they agreed on is that it's slowing adoption uh, to not have clarification. They also applauded the OCC for taking what they call a principle-based approach rather than a prescriptive approach where they, you know, uh, and that's where the technology agnostics uh, come into play. The vendors like that. Um, 
But Google had sort of the most interesting and comprehensive response. They um, cited particular states, for example, the state of Ohio has a safe harbor approach in which businesses that adhere to recognized cybersecurity frameworks, such as the NIST standard, would be protected from tort liability for a data breach. Google applauded that and said the OCC should look at that. They also suggested went into real-time payments is, um, and talked about how India had set up their real-time payment system, which of course the Federal Reserve is looking at now, a real-time payment system. So um, they had a very, you know, Google-esque approach where they wanted the OCC to do things like have a pilot project and have hackathons and sort of uh, keep an open door policy so that as technology evolves, uh, they're getting a response and feedback from the industry in a timely manner rather than doing this, you know, three, four years after the technology has been adopted. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there a, a, is there a way in which did, was there a sense where, you know, vendors and the financial institutions really deviated in, in their responses? I mean, other than this kind of level playing field dynamic, was there something else where um, there, were, there was a real uh, gulf? I mean, I'd say the gulf really appeared when reading something from the vendors, say like Plato Google versus reading something from a group like Consumer Reports. Now, Consumer Reports focus as compared to Plato and Google was that just because you can collect data doesn't mean you should doesn't mean you should collect as much as you can, which is where a lot of the data privacy debates are also happening. Like how much can be collected before you throw up the red flags and say, that's enough. So Consumer Reports was sort of very conservative with their approach saying, take only what you need. Whereas Blade and Google were like, we have so much, so why not use it? Right, right. Um, okay. Uh, also this week, uh, maybe we could touch on quickly, InvestNet acquired, agreed to acquire, or announced that they acquired, I should say, uh, Harvest Savings and Wealth Management, uh, which offers uh, automated savings tools. And that deal was announced today. Uh, Jess Breed, uh, why should we care about that deal? Well, a couple of reasons, because first of all, automation as an overall trend seems to be growing with things, be it savings tools, be it account opening tools. And on this sort of second level, this is a trend we've seen over the last few months as well. The US bank partnered with Personetics recently to develop an AI powered savings tool. And then you have Bank of America's life plan tool as well. What we're seeing is banks trying to deliver the most amount of customer value and not just be a place where customers log in and look at how much money they have, but actually also get advice. So this is like a transition from just a service to also a trust advisory, where you have trusted advisors built by banks who are not really people, but just machines telling you, hey, this is the right way to do certain things. And even sort of even looking at a little bit more broader, I think what you're going to see is companies like Evesnet who already have a big network and a big data aggregation platform, they'd be able to leverage their connections to build a wider market for products like these. So you're going to see this sort of convergence happening. I mean, do you, is there a sense, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know, like Lorraine, have you heard about additional acquisitions that are kind of like coming down in the, in the market? Is there a sense that there's maybe more consolidation coming and, you know, maybe perhaps as a result of the pandemic? I was actually just reading uh, or listening to a podcast between uh, UiPath's 
Czech evangelist and foresters, Dr. Bernard Schaeffrich. Um, and he was talking about how he anticipates this year where there will be consolidation, particularly in the RPA space with uh, pure play AIs trying to, you know, enter that space. And uh, so he expects that the market with these sort of automation technologies will be in flux. Um, all right. So, uh, and for next week, what do we have uh, planned? We have well, an event coming up. We have we do. Automation Ignite, which is we, going to be a very, you know, a hotbed for all that discussion. Yes, we are going to, if anyone wants to reach us on April 13th or 14th, we're going to be at the conference. Um, and uh, if you're interested in the event, bankautomationignite.com is all the details. Uh, we are very much looking forward to that. And uh, most of our coverage will center on, on the event uh, sessions, I would imagine. So um, thank you both, Jess Breed and Lorraine, uh, for, for joining me. And thank you, everyone, for joining me for this edition of The Buzz. Uh, we hope you, you uh, found it valuable. Please uh, rate the podcast on your uh, podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter uh, and LinkedIn. Thank you uh, for being with us. We'll see you next time.